Hello and welcome to the Wild Cornwall podcast, brought to you by Cornwall Wildlife Trust. For this month's episode, I interviewed our Chief Executive, Matt Walpole, to find out about how his first year's been and to hear about Cornwall Wildlife Trust's plans for the future. Matt, it's been a year since we last chatted like this and um, you've obviously completed your first year as Chief Exec of Cornwall Wildlife Trust. Last time we spoke, we talked about the fact that you grew up in Cornwall, so I wanted to begin by you know, reflecting on the fact you've gone far and wide since then. What's it like now to be working back on this side of the Tamar? Uh, well, Tom, it's, it's great to be with you today, have a chance to, to um, reflect on some of this. Um, it has been a year since I started. It's gone extremely quickly, as first years often do in roles like this. Um, but it has been wonderful. That's, uh, you know, I can't deny how fantastic it's been to be back in Cornwall after so many years. We all know what a wonderful place it is. And I, you know, I've been fortunate to get out and see you know, a lot of our work, uh, to visit many of our nature reserves, uh, to explore bits of the county I really didn't know. And that's been phenomenal. It's been a year of, of real learning and real re-engagement, uh, but a year of excitement and inspiration. And I think it's, uh, it's given me greater energy and drive you know, to, to push forward and, and uh, ensure we're doing the best we can. Very good. And, and what about your reflections on you know, coming back to Cornwall to work for a wildlife trust mm-hmm. and thinking about the state of nature here in Cornwall? Um, does that reflect the, the national and, and global picture in, in your experience? Well, yes. I mean, nature is struggling everywhere. We are in the midst of an ecological crisis, and that's global. So um, wherever you go, we're seeing those signs of decline. You know, things are in trouble. But that doesn't mean we aren't achieving things. It doesn't mean we aren't making progress, and it certainly doesn't mean we don't have hope. And what I've seen coming back to Cornwall is that more and more people are aware of the issues and the challenges, are talking about it, and are coming together to do something about it. And that's the thing that really inspires me and gives me hope. Yes, there are also obviously those wonderful stories uh, coming back and discovering that the chuff is back in Cornwall uh, and it wasn't here when I was growing up as a child, yeah. it had gone. That's you know, one of those iconic stories. But wherever you look, there are lots of uh, less headline grabbing stories of progress and people making a difference. And that's the stuff that we draw on and that's the stuff that, 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 that gives us hope, I think. Yeah, and has anything surprised you in, in returning? Has anything surprised me? Um, I think perhaps it's 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 how far those 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 collaborations go. How many different kinds of action, opportunity, uh, and initiative are happening? You know, it's 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 sort of tempting to think that you know it's um, it's just the wildlife trust and their members um, who, who who care about this stuff, uh, and of course we do very very much. But there are lots and lots of different organisations huge numbers of community groups, farmers and landowners doing their bits, and of course even the council uh, through their acknowledgement of the, of the crises we're in and, uh, and their support and engagement of things like the local nature partnership, which brings lots of people and groups and actors together to, 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 uh, to explore, discuss, collaborate in new ways. So perhaps the surprise for me has been that momentum that's there, and that's a great, great thing to build on. Mm-hmm. And, and I imagine that a lot of your task over the last year has been to just get out there and look at as many things as possible across Cornwall and, and the projects that we're doing. Can, can you just talk about some of the things that have inspired and excited you uh, in terms of our conservation work on land? 
Well, sure. I mean, the best bit of my job, without a doubt, is getting out, uh, visiting some of the places and projects we're working with our teams, with our supporters, with our partners. And you're right, there's so much going on. It's incredible. Uh, to pick out some highlights, well, obviously, last year, um, with the extraordinary response of our members and supporters, we were able to buy Queenie Farm, uh, which you know is a significant piece of the Hellman Tor wider landscape. I think we're approaching around 800 acres of, mm -hmm. of nature reserve there now with yeah. that with that addition, and seeing the start of the rewilding uh, and the nature recovery work that the trust is is building developing there. You know, uh, we we the, obviously recently we've um, we've put some pigs out. Um, doesn't sound like much, but wow. Those what a pigs, the yeah. difference they make, you know, because the whole, I suppose, like, you know, the, the whole rationale uh, behind you know, our approach to nature recovery is to find ways to restore ecological processes. So not uh, to, uh, to simply go in with sort of human and mechanised means of, 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 of altering habitats and, 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 and doing things like that, but how do we bring back those natural processes, including different kinds of herbivore? And of course, right now we have to use domesticated breeds, um, but each of those, whether it's cows, whether it's horses, whether it's pigs, do a different thing. And those pigs, there's three of them, they're little pigs, three little pigs. <laughs> but um, their ability to rootle around and disrupt the soil and disrupt the bracken and the gorse and, and really make space uh, for the things we really want to see coming back. You know, that's a natural process that those pigs are putting into place for us. And in the very short time they've been there, it's extraordinary to see. Have you, have you seen done. them yet? Very, very fortunately, I was walking um, with some old school friends. We walked the Saints Way from Padstow to Foy over a recent weekend, and we stumbled across the pigs. And yeah, it's great. It's Good. just great to see uh, to see them in action. So that I mean, you know, great sort of uh, inspiring example. But I think even more so, going out with some of our farm advisors uh, to see the work they're doing with farmers in various catchments around the county to um, help those farmers with a range of things from soil testing and understanding fertiliser regimes to thinking about how they can access some of the government uh, funding streams to uh, bring back nature, whether it's hedgerows or set-asides and other things. Uh, they're, they're making a real difference there. Um, so they are, and they're helping farmers with their livelihoods as much as they are with nature recovery. But what they're also doing is working with some of our volunteer teams who are going on to those farms, particularly in areas where there may be county wildlife sites, so areas of good habitat that need to be kept in good management. And those volunteer groups are going out and helping those farmers to keep those areas in good condition. So that juxtaposition of the different things we can bring into those landscapes beyond our reserves is extremely powerful yeah. and is achieving real results. We're getting you know, better quality uh, water coming off of those. We're getting uh, certainly nature recovery uh, and good farming outcomes as well. And has your sense um, been that there's been a warm engagement with the farming community? Yes, I, 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 would, I would say, again, a, a real lesson uh, for me is seeing the depth of relationships that some of our farmers, farm advisors have with uh, the farmers in some of those communities where they've been working. And that is something that's been built up over many, many years. You don't just launch in, bash on doors and, and hope to make change. You, 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 you take time, you get to know people and you understand their needs and you work to help to support them and to bring nature into that equation. We have some, some uh, really dedicated farm advisors. Uh, and yes, uh, whilst you will always get a range of perspectives, um, as you do in any community, uh, and some people will be very keen to engage, others will take more time to convince, some may not want to. 
Uh, but working through that, you know, having, having people who, who are embedded uh, in those communities and are able to have those conversations over the long term and build those relationships seems to be the thing that can then make a real difference. Mm. Uh, and I'm very proud that we've been able to do that. Can you talk about why addressing farming is so important for us? So looking at um, you know, the, the land area of Cornwall, some three quarters or more of it is under some form of farming or agriculture. So a huge part of uh, where nature exists is in a farmed landscape. You know, very, very little of our county, as with many others, is, um, is, is, is wild, if you like. Uh, very little of it is, is, is protected in nature reserves. Uh, there are various government designations, of course. But a lot of our nature is still out there uh, on farmed landscapes. So the only way we're going to see nature recovery outside of the nature reserves and protected areas that do exist is by having those farmers and landowners keen to see that happen themselves uh, and committed to doing that. Uh, and we as a wildlife trust, our role has to be to support them in making that happen. Absolutely. So should we talk about... Um our work at sea, Matt. What, yes. what have you seen there that's been enjoyable and inspiring? Well, again, I mean, it's so extraordinary, isn't it? Um, Cornwall is, you know, is in many ways defined by its coastline. Um, it's, it's, um, it's, as we know, it's extremely long. You're never very far away from it. And at Cornwall Wildlife Trust, we've been working you know, with coastal communities and on marine issues for a very, very long time. Um, as with the work on land, you know, there, there are always those big, inspiring things that happen. And one of them, of course, this year was the discovery of one of the largest seagrass beds in the UK in St. Austell Bay uh, through a whole bunch of survey work that we and others uh, have undertaken. Uh, that, that has to be a highlight because you find something like that. It's got real value, real power. And what we're now doing, of course, is looking at how we can work with, uh, with the local community, with fishermen, with farmers and landowners and others in that area to bring people together uh, to ensure a, a strong future for, for that seagrass bed. Because you know, seagrass, um, it may not be that well known, but as a habitat, it is so rich for nature. You know, as a spawning ground for fish, as a habitat for all sorts of marine life, and as a source of, of carbon sequestration. You know, so there are, there are a lot of reasons why seagrass is worth hanging on to. And we've lost so much of it, you know, whether it's through um, dredging or anchors or uh, seabed disturbance, whether it's through pollution uh, and those kinds of issues coming off the land. And so when you find something this intact, you've got to really focus on it. Yeah. And that really will be a focus for us. So that was one of the big things from this year for me. The other big discovery, and, and coming back to my earlier comments about you know, the, that huge constituency of people who, who care about and want to support nature recovery in Cornwall, is the work uh, that our marine team does through the Your Shore Network in engaging and supporting coastal community groups to take action for nature. That's a, a programme that's been going on for some 15 years. I was fortunate enough to go to the annual conference uh, that celebrates the Your Shore Network back in February, uh, which seems a long time back now. But the, the, the vision, the leadership and the energy in those groups is truly inspiring. Uh, and all we really do is, is try and support them on their own journey uh, and bring them together to learn from each other. Uh, but they're out there doing it. Uh, and that's, you know, it's tens of thousands of people that get drawn into that. Now, we've also seen, of course, off the back of that uh, this year, um, the launch of the Mounts Bay Marine Trail, which is a great way of engaging people and getting out and seeing what's happening. Yeah. And, um, and those are the kind of things that I think will, will, will take that message 
more broadly further afield and, 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 and highlight what's happening for more people and hopefully inspire more people to get involved. It certainly sounds to me, um, you know, from the way you're talking and the examples you're giving, that you are excited and you're, you're feeling hopeful about the things you've seen. Very much so. I mean, you know, let's not sugarcoat it. You know, mm. there's still a lot of challenge out there. Um, you know, and, and uh, we're in a, you know, a difficult time, a very polarised time in many ways, uh, politically, economically. Um, and you can't ignore that. But, you know, if we're going to put nature back at the heart of our societies and our economies, we're not going to do that with pessimism. We have mm. to do it with hope and inspiration. And, and my view of this is, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting. It's great. You can get out. You can get involved. You can see change happening. And as long as you keep that momentum, keep that hope, you know, accept the setbacks when they come, um, but don't lose your direction, then that's the best we can do. Uh, and I think, you know, for, for me, that, that's what drives me forward. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it, in that, you, you alluded to, to some of the backdrop, the, the, some of the challenges we face. A lot's happened in the last year since um, <laughs> we sat chatting at, uh, back in the end of last August. Um, can we just go back to last autumn, reflect a, a bit on, on what we termed an attack on nature. Uh, what was that all about? Well, it was, it was a crazy time, wasn't it, in, 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 in politics in the UK. And we had, um, in that um, early part of the autumn, September, when I started, within the first few weeks, uh, the government nationally had announced uh, a suite of policy measures, which, yes, uh, were, were, were then dubbed the attack on nature. Policy measures that seem to really be rolling back on their environmental commitments and seem to be really damaging for the kind of causes you know, which, which we wish we support. And they just seemed wrong-headed. You know, we, we don't need, we didn't need weakened environmental laws, weakened environmental regulations. We didn't need developments that would ultimately, housing, other kinds of development, that would ultimately be you know, concrete deserts devoid of nature. You know, the suggestion that you can't have nature and development hand in hand, insane. And you know, farmers didn't need the kind of uncertainties that came when the government said they were going to review the subsidy schemes and the incentive schemes uh, for farming and, and nature, uh, which, which were all part and parcel of this, um, of this sort of period of, of policy change. Now, fortunately, a lot of people jumped up and down uh, and, and rightly pointed out that this seemed wrong-headed for a whole range of reasons. And, you know, for me coming into this role, of course, I was a little bit thrown into that, you know, suddenly found myself being interviewed on TV, discussing this, um, writing to all of our MPs, you know, saying, guys, you know, come on, what's happening? And of course, many, many, many of our supporters and members did the same. And, you know, fortunately, a lot of those things ultimately were rolled back. Um, and whilst we may not be totally out of the woods with some of it, you know, we, we certainly, you know, that, that raising of the voice was was a very clear signal, I think, yeah. the government that, that the public and voters care about this stuff. Yeah, and that maybe they got it. So, um, so that was, a, that was um, it was an interesting time, I think, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and for us, you know, deciding how to raise our voice in a, in a constructive way um, was an important thing to try and get right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and along with, with many others in, in, in the Wildlife Trust movement, I think, um, you know, I, I'm glad that we did. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's important to, to do that. So where, so where are things at now? Well, well so, sadly, it seems we're still in a place where, where, um, where there seems to be a rolling back of, um, of environmental commitments uh, by governments. You know, in the, in the 
the late part of the summer in August, um, we had a government proposal um, to um, to remove the obligation on on um, housing developers uh, to, in essence, to 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 pay for the future pollution that's likely to come from the housing developments through what was termed the neutrality scheme, which is all about reducing and eliminating um, pollution into our streams and rivers, which everybody knows are in a dire state and everybody wants to see change. And it seemed to be a, um, if you like, a, a, a rolling back of, of what we often call the polluter pays principle. You know, if a developer or any other kind of entity, um, if by their activity, they're going to have a, a damaging impact on nature, on the climate, then the logic says they should put that right and at least do no harm, if not you know, make a positive contribution. And this was flying in the face of that. Um, again, fortunately, that, that um, late amendment to the levelling up bill was uh, defeated in the House of Lords, uh, but it kind of signalled a little bit where, where you know, the sort of government sentiment was. And you know, we're now seeing and hearing the government um, talking about similar rolling back on its commitments uh, on targets and deadlines around um, the roadmap to net zero and the things we need to put in place around that. And that's, you know, these things are worrying because they take up a lot of oxygen. You know, they, they potentially uh, put us on a path that is not going to take us to a place of nature recovery. Uh, it's not going to achieve the things that we all know we need to achieve. And it's going to make stuff, make things far harder um, for those who come after us. Yeah. Well, well, we'll reflect in a few moments at, about what our supporters can do mm -hmm. um, positively. Before we get into that, Next year, there's going to be a general election. We don't know exactly when, um, but perhaps the, the key thing is that our next government will be in power for much of the time between now and 2030. They will. Can you just remind us, why is 2030 such an important date that we hear a lot about with regards to the sure. environment? Yes, um, yes, indeed. So behind that is you know, a recognition that we don't have a lot of time left to tackle either the ecological crisis or the climate crisis if we want to avoid really damaging consequences for, for the planet, but also for all of us. Um, and so our government, like other governments around the world, have adopted uh, goals and targets in the context of their own environmental um, strategies to achieve certain things with 2030 as the point at which they're pledging to achieve those things. So we've kind of said, well, governments have said, We've got a decade now when we really need to see action. We really need to see results. Um, and so by 2030, there are a range of, of targets that the government signed up to and that they will be held account to, including the target to ensure that at least 30% of our land and sea is under good conservation management and achieving conservation and nature outcomes by 2030. That's the so-called 30 by 30 target, mm -hmm. which you often see referred to. And there are others that go with that. So it's a, it's a moment at which governments will be held to account nationally and internationally. Um, here in Cornwall, the council is also through the Local Nature Partnership very much signed up to achieving uh, these various targets by 2030. And we as Wildlife Trust, like many uh, in the conservation movement, are also looking at how we can contribute to those goals. So maybe you know, 2030 is a way of sharpening the mind. Yeah. You know, we can't kick the can down the road very much further. Yeah. Uh, and, and these commitments uh, and targets for 2030 are a way of 
hopefully. Focusing us. Focusing the mind, focusing investment, focusing action. Yeah. So with that in mind, we're looking ahead to a general election. This this feels like a really important time, uh, and a really um, good opportunity. What what should our supporters be doing? What questions should they be asking of candidates to, to ensure that their voices are heard and we raise these important issues? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's so important that we all, as voters, make our candidates aware of the issues that matter to us. I mean, that's the, the bottom line here. And that includes nature and nature recovery. So I think we should all be asking the candidates who will be standing in the general election, whatever party they may be standing for, what is it that you'll do for nature? What policies are you going to stand by? What will you be calling for? And what is your party's manifesto? On these things. We can ask those questions. We can then look very closely at the differences and hopefully then we can make a more informed choice about who we vote for, uh, knowing that um, having said those things, having written those things down, uh, we've, got a, uh, we've got something to hold them to account for going forward. Very good. Yeah, thank you. So let's then move back to Cornwall Wildlife okay. Trust and, and what we're doing. Um, we're thinking about 2030, ambitions for nature, do you have a plan, Matt? <laughs> yes, I do. And yes, we do as Cornwall Wildlife Trust. We very much do. We've been working on this um, since I started, you know, building on all the great work and momentum that the Trust and its supporters and members have built up over the last 60 years. Um, and our plan is very much, our ambition is very much to ultimately be able to deliver more for nature than we can on our own. What that ultimately means is our role is and must be to support, inspire, engage, influence, and enable other people to take meaningful action for nature in whatever sphere of life uh, they, they, they may be. So, for example, we'll be working towards not just our own nature reserves in good condition, but broader nature recovery networks over wider areas of land and sea, where we'll be working with other landowners and marine users to ensure that their action is creating nature recovery far beyond the boundaries of, of, of Cornwall Wildlife Trust's own reserves. Okay. And engaging with communities, uh, with volunteers, with businesses, and whoever it may be, uh, to ensure that in whatever sphere, more people can take action for nature in, in their own lives, in their own jobs, in their own roles, in their own spheres. That has to be our real focus. You know, we can't do it alone. What we can do is show the way, because I think the things we do um, as conservationists, can demonstrate what's possible. We will make our own contributions through the work we do in our reserves and in our wildlife projects. But we've really got to be able to use that to inspire and educate others, uh, to use our knowledge uh, to, to call you know, for better decisions, whether it's you know, in government or corporate sectors, um, to use our position in that way and to, as I say, to support everybody out there to understand, to connect and to act. So as you, as you look ahead then to, to your second year as a chief executive, what, what are your hopes, your, the, you know, the concrete plans, and um, you know, how are you feeling about it? Yeah. Well, I mean, Tom, you know, as we said at the start, there is so much going on. Uh, we'll be launching our new strategy uh, very, very soon um, so that everybody can see and, and, and get behind that. And obviously, we'll be building our plans for each of the priorities within that strategy and looking at how we can, we can fund them. Uh, because that's obviously a key part of it. But in terms of the work going forward into this year, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see how 
uh, the nature recovery and rewilding work develops uh, in and around Helmand Tor and Creaney Farm. You know, we talked about the pigs earlier. Um, I think this is going to be a year of real change there and real opportunity. So that's going to be exciting. The other thing we're doing right now is, as we sort of head into the start of my second year is celebrating our volunteers around the county. So um, you know, we've, 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 we, we, we have had uh, a, a volunteer celebration day uh, here at Allet at our headquarters, uh, bringing together a whole range of volunteers from various projects, various parts of the county to, to say thank you and celebrate and engage. And we've got coming up at our AGM in October, our first ever volunteer awards, which we'll be, uh, we'll be um, launching and, um, and awarding uh, to, to those who, who uh, whether individuals or groups, uh, have really stood out this year. We think it's really important to acknowledge the support we get from volunteers and our ambition over the course of this next year and the course of our strategies 2030 is to see more people being given the opportunity to volunteer whether it's with us with their own community groups or others uh, in taking action for nature because you know we've got an army of people out there who really care uh, and the more we can do to give them the opportunity to take action the better chance we've got of ensuring that we've got a Cornwall where nature thrives which Quite is right. of course what we're here to do yeah well, Matt, thank you so much for your time this morning, but most of all, all the very best for your second year. Thank you, Tom. I'm very much looking forward to it. Thanks.